This week's episode of the Software Social Podcast is brought to you by Hopscotch Product Tours. Hopscotch Product Tours allows you to improve user onboarding with helpful product tours that guide your users to success. Also, reduce frustration by helping users learn how to use your product without the need for demo calls. Visit hopscotch.club today and start delighting your users with Hopscotch Product Tours. So, Colleen. Cloudflare. Oh, Cloudflare. This week, Cloudflare, Cloudflare um, introduced their images beta to simplify your image pipeline, a simple service to store, resize, optimize, and deliver images at scale. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so that's a big disappointment for me because I really... When I had been thinking about how this was going to go in my mind, I was going to launch in Heroku, which I've done, and kind of get my product exactly where I wanted to be, and then launch in Cloudflare. Because I have launched a small free app in the Cloudflare marketplace before, and they have millions of users. So the distribution channel there is spectacular. So I'm a little disappointed because I felt like I had a really, really good opportunity in that marketplace. And now that they've launched their own service, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to compete with that. So this came out and, you know, I saw this, this blog post and I thought of you immediately. And it's interesting the the post they have on it, they outline the difference. They call them the four fundamental questions you might answer. Where do we store images? How do we secure, resize, and optimize the images for different use cases? How do we serve the images to our users reliably? How do we do all of these things at scale while having predictable and affordable pricing, especially during spikes? And what strikes me about that is there are some similarities with what you've been solving, but also there are differences. Like, what do you mean? So I remember you talking about images and whether you wanted to go in this whole direction of resizing and, and, and optimizing images. And your product is called simple file upload. It's not simple right. image upload. And so this is like part of what you're solving, but at the same time, you're doing other stuff too. Right. And when I originally launched the product, that was a big reason. It's because all of the big players predominantly handle media files. And I kept running into this problem where I needed PDFs or I needed Word docs because we were doing resumes. So that is part of the reason I started focusing on files in general. But as more and more people use it, I see pretty consistently most people are using it predominantly for images. So I really did feel like my growth trajectory was going to be in the image space. Um, so I, I am different from Cloudflare in that I would I do multiple files, but they even have good pricing. Like they even have, they're going to, this is going to be incredibly successful for them because they even have straightforward pricing is what it looks like. Um, and so it, it doesn't ma- mean I'm not going to have a thing, right? It means maybe when I launch in Cloudflare, Um, I focus more on the file aspect than the image aspect because they currently offer all the things I want to add, but have not yet added, right? Like it'd be so, it is so frustrating as a developer to read their blog post and be like, oh my gosh, it'd be so easy for me to add these few things they offer. And man, if I had just beaten them into the market, but you know what? It's a big market. 
Like there's literally millions of people, I believe, who use Cloudflare. So it doesn't mean there's not space for me, but I do think it means when I write my Cloudflare app, I focus more on other types of files since they will now have, you know, this easy to implement solution that fits right in with their existing CDNs and stuff. I think that's such an important point that there are space for multiple companies um, in, in it for any given thing, you know, and I, and I don't know if this is a result of kind of the the, the sort of narrative that, that that we're living in around companies and and especially what you know venture capitalists might look for in a company is they want the company that is going to become the monopoly that can charge the highest prices and have you know the highest profits and 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 just eat everybody else in that industry, yeah. and that is you know, in, in so many ways, the opposite of what we bootstrappers try to do and believe in. And, you know, also now the U.S. government is kind of onto tech um, and, and, and all of that sort of monopoly building. Um, and, and But I think living in that environment, we forget that, like, it's okay to have a big company come into your space or to already have big companies competing against you and there can still be space for a small successful company there and you know i offer us up as evidence like we've been competing against google since day 1 yeah and i think that's one of the best decisions i made when i finally launched this product as we've talked about before i've been coming up with ideas and trying to launch mvps of different things and a lot of the things i was trying to do were like big cool new ideas and as a single founder, like in an untested market, I could not get a big, cool new idea off the ground. Like props to you if you can, that's awesome. But people looked at me like I, like they looked at me sideways when I was like, I, I told people like developers what I was making. They were like, so you're making what? And they list like five other companies that do the same thing. And I was like, yes, I am. And now they're all really surprised at how successful it's been. And I think that just goes to show like the market was already proven for what I was doing. I focused on a really small group of people. And so far that's been working for me. And again, I don't know like how that'll grow or scale or whatever, but um, I don't know, it's working for me right now, going into a tested market, even with big players. Cause the big players, if you have a customer support request to a big player, they're gonna send you to their forums, right? I know, cause it's happened to me. <laughs> You're like, oh, I have this problem. Can I do this thing? They're like, First thing is you get the automated chat widget that says, go look in the forums. And you're like, no. Nah. And I had my first support request this week, by the way, yeah. which is kind of fun. And the person um, was like, it were, It was so great. I think they were so surprised that I responded so quickly. And I like literally fixed the problem in a day. Um, I think I think the person left with like a really positive. Ex I mean, they told me they had a really positive experience with me. And so kind of what you've talked about with Geocodio, I think by focusing on a small group of people and by keeping my customer support high, um, hopefully I can still find a place, a space in this ginormous market of file uploading. I think you can. Um, and, and to go back to what you were touching on earlier, um, you mentioned that you have been successful so far and I have to ask, Colleen, how successful have you been so far? What is our numbers update for this week? <laughs> so since last week, I um, one more customer converted from the free trial to paid. 
Um, and so I'm at $835 MRR. Right? Um, but curiously, that person who is paying me $250 a month has neither emailed me back nor uploaded any files. Mm. So that is a most interesting thing. So I am prepared. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that that person sticks around and they're just trying to get going. But I am prepared that like, if you have someone at $250 a month churn, like that's going to hurt. Um, so we'll see what, what that person does. But like I said, I'm just trying to offer a high level of support and keep on trucking. I do think though, with the Cloudflare thing, like this might change my whole strategy in terms of whether I even launch in that marketplace. Like I certainly haven't, I haven't finished serving the Heroku marketplace. Um, there's still a lot of people in there. And as we've talked about in the early days is I still feel like I could do a lot in like no code. I just have not had time to dive into it. So this might change my, my growth strategy from Heroku to Cloudflare, which was my original plan. I might now do like Heroku to no code um, to see if I can serve those people better. I don't know. I got to talk to more people and, and kind of get a better idea. You've been really interested in serving no coders. It's because I just, I just, they're so happy when you give them file uploading. Like everyone I've talked to <laughs> in that space, like it makes file uploading so easy for them and kind of similar to the interviews we've had, you know, we had with Drew where he was struggling. It's so rewarding to be able to help someone like that, to be like, oh, you, this thing would take you like three to five days and like, I can just get out of your way, get, you know, do this for you, get out of your way. And then, you know, you're up in five minutes. Like, I don't know. It just seems to make them really happy. And I feel like they're they're like the hotness, right? But I feel like in this particular arena, they're an underserved market. Like I've, I haven't, I've only started talking to a few people using no code, but they're like uploading to Airtable. So I need to find out if Airtable is backed by S3 or if Airtable, I don't know what Airtable is doing. I got to figure all that out. Um, and I think the best way is for me just to start building things and kind of immerse myself in that community. I just feel like that's where my opportunity is. Um, because I feel like those people, those folks trying to build with no code, they're trying to make, they're trying to make products quickly, right? Whereas developers are trying to optimize usually for the most beautiful code, which is fine. Like that's cool. But my product just helps you move fast. And those people I think are trying to move fast. So I think you said that the market is underserved and some markets are underserved with a willingness to pay. And some markets are underserved because they don't have a willingness to pay. And I'm curious if you have been able to figure out what people are currently paying for, uh, for image upload in no code or, if, you know, because it's not possible, they're, they're, they're not paying for anything or like, like what, like what the deal is with that. Yeah. And I am just dipping my toe into that. So, um, I'm trying to get more involved in, in the no code community, but my understanding and this, okay. My understanding is based on one person I spoke with who's really, um, involved in the no code stuff. And, and he said like for people who have a lot of uploading needs, they tend to use upload care. And we've talked before about how upload care is both expensive and has that really nebulous pricing, but I have not actually reached around and talked to any of those people who are using upload care yet. So if I want to go down that path for growth, like there's a lot 
there, there's a lot I have to do to get into that community and start talking to that people and see if I really do have an audience or a market there. I don't know yet. It could be that the people dabbling in no code aren't making money uh, yet. And because they're not, they don't, they won't pay for file uploading. So it's really too soon for me to say, I just, I have a gut feeling that that's a good space for me to be in, um, that my people are going to be there, but you know, things are going great with Heroku right now. So I definitely don't want to just like stop focusing on Heroku. Like that's been a great traction channel for me. Um, so it's just, as we've talked about, I just got to keep talking to people and, and, um, see what I learn and, and hopefully, you know, that'll lead me down the path of, of which direction to grow. You mentioned you've talked to one person so far and you, and you did just say that you need to talk to more people. I always caution that you, you know, don't make any major decisions until you've heard the same thing from at least five people. And yeah. I wonder if they're, you know, in the sort of the, you know, as Amy Hoy calls it, the digital watering holes. If you could find people like on the MakerPad community forums or on Reddit or or like somewhere else where people are um, already talking about how they do this and reaching out to those people. Yeah, I totally need to do that. I think I'm still trying to figure out that's like a, a step B. I mean, right now I'm still trying to figure out the people who are actually using it. I don't even have a good idea of the Heroku people who are actually using it, who are paying me. So I think I, I would love to, I mean, I've, I don't know, what is that? 15, no, 20 ish paying customers. Like it'd be so cool if I could get, you know, 25 to 50% of those people on a call to find out what they're doing. Um, so I'm kind of still struggling even to figure out what, people who are using it now are using it for. So I really want to exhaust the resources I have there before I start reaching out to new people. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, for context, like the best I've ever gotten my recruitment emails to get someone to talk to me is like eight to 10%. So, so that's good to yeah, know. I think it's just yeah. a, a volume question for you at this point. Right. Right. So, so that's, I mean, I gotta, I gotta pound the pavement. I haven't, I haven't been pounding the pavement as much as I um, would like. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of that in terms of just like going on Reddit, going on these forums, reaching out to people, seeing if people talk to me and um, figuring out, you know, where my audience is. But I did want to get your opinion. Um, so last week, my accountability goal for this week was to get a testimonial up on my website. So I took very small baby steps to make that happen, and I wanted to run the testimonial by you to see what you thought of the language. Did you already run it by the person that it that said it? No. Oh, okay. I mean, I will before it's not okay. on my website. Yet. <laughs> I asked. It's. I asked him. I said I'm going to write something, and then I'll send it to you. Okay. <laughs> to approve. So if he doesn't approve it, obviously I won't put it on my website. But um. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get, uh, I have two things and I just kind of want to read them both to you and see what you think. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the first one would be, <clears throat> I got simple file upload up and running in minutes. The software has allowed my team to focus on what matters, supporting our customers and leave the details of file uploading up to the software. Yeah. Okay. Now I guess the first one okay. I got, the other one I have is. 
Simple file upload allowed my team to stop fighting with file uploading and focus on what matters, our customers. We had the uploader up and running in five minutes. It really is that easy. Oh, I kind of like the second one. It feels a little more... Okay. Maybe it's just me, but it feels a little bit more authentic. And... Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's little, more yeah. actually what he said. Um, that's that's more of a direct quote. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to add that today. So I get that that testimonial up on my site. Um, and man, there's so much to do. Like it's all fun things, but like I think of all these things we talk about. I know we talked about this last week, but it's like, oh my gosh, I can think of like a hundred things I could do right now. <laughs> do you have that list of like tasks? I do. I do. So I took from last week, I took the testimonial and it was like, like, it was like little itty bitty baby steps. Like one day I asked someone if I could use their testimonial. The next day I bought Tailwind UI. The next day I put the testimonial block on my site. So it's been baby steps, but it's progress, right? I mean, you got to know when you're at a time in your life where you can just take baby steps. And that's kind of where I am. So for next week, my goal is to get the pre, this is a bigger, bigger goal, but like to get the preview that like you can practice, you can use it up on my site. And I'm going to break that down into lots of little tasks and kind of do the same thing I did this week, which was like one baby step at a time and keep moving forward. I hear like optimism and a sense of direction in your voice. Isn't it amazing? Okay. So here's the thing is it's like, I didn't do that much more this week than I did last week, but I'm feeling so much more optimistic. And I think it's because these tasks I did this week were tiny, right? Like some of them took five minutes, but just that sense of progress, like just that sense of like, I've been talking about putting a testimonial up for three weeks and it was like this mental block and I just couldn't do it. And so this week, kind of what we talked about, like I broke them down into these five, literally they're like five to 10 minute tasks. and. I had a busy week and I was tired every night, but I was able to wrap my brain around doing a tiny task. And because of that, I've made progress forward and that feels good, right? Yeah. I mean, like, just getting you, something you done. Feel accomplished. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about, about that. So I would love to hear about your 50 people <laughs> interviews. Have you done 50 interviews? I have not like, done 50. Tell me. Um, I have done, I think, 17 or 18 this interview. Wait, I talked to you last week. Last week. You've done 17 interviews? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, it's been like, it's, it's, it's been, um, it's been amazing. Honestly, I like, I'm so, I'm so moved and so grateful that so many people were willing to talk to me like about this. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just filled with this enormous sense of gratitude um, for people literally all over the world helping me with this. And I mean, like talking to people about talking to people is just to me like the greatest topic. Like I, like I just, <laughs> every person I feel like I could talk to them forever. And, you know, on so many of the calls, it kind of ends up being like, well, I don't have anything afterwards. Like, do you have a few? And then like, then we're like continue chatting and like going over. And I did six of these on Monday. I did five what? on Tuesday, which like I have this rule that I will only do yeah. two in a day because more than that, right. like, you know, the, the the energy that goes into kind of just sort of fully absorbing someone's perspective and kind of, you know, sort of mentally like 
peeking through their closet and looking in all the nooks and crannies. Like it just takes a lot of focus and I, it, it can be tiring. And so, uh, you know, years ago, like there was a, there was a day when I did three hour long interviews in one day and I was just like, I was so beat. Um, yeah. and so since then I was like, I'll only do two in a day. And then I, in my enthusiasm about this, I did six on Monday oh my <laughs> and I was like, oh, now I remember why I have that rule. Um, but it's, it's been so like, it's been so good and I've been learning so many things and like, there's all these things I didn't even think about and it's, I'm, I'm so excited. Give us an example of something you didn't think about. Okay. So one of the things that came up is that so, so I had this sense that, the, you know, my audience was kind of like mostly people who were, um, you know, basically people like you who are trying to learn how to do this, running their own companies, haven't had a chance to really talk to customers before. Um, and then like a little smaller audience was like people who need a book to recommend to other people who are new to this. That was very practical. Um, but that was a, a smaller audience. And what I learned was really that like consultants really need to work with something like this um, to either do this work for their clients to explain what the work is or to teach their clients how to do it. And then so that they can offer other higher value, like add on services. So it's like not only while I do the interviewing, but then help you with the analysis part, run workshops on you know, making product strategy decision making and like copywriters saying that they they wanted to move from just writing copy to helping make product decisions, for example, or consultants who work with small software businesses who need to teach people how to do this. And so that was really exciting because I hadn't really thought about that at all. And, you know, people are saying, oh, if you have some sort of bundle that's for consultants, that makes it easy for me to share and uh, adapt this, like that would, you know, that would be super helpful. And I really hadn't um, thought about that at all. So, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So I noticed you had a tweet this morning and that tweet said, if I release this book and get tons of requests for consulting, I will consider the book a failure because it wasn't actionable enough for people to apply on their own. Tell me more about that. Yeah. And I guess I should qualify that like I would feel like I have failed the reader rather than the reader themselves failing, if that makes sense. Um, I, you know, I, I started out in tech working at an agency, like, like doing consulting, working with clients. And I did that for four years. And, um, and then I kind of, at one point I decided I really wanted to be in a product business and I've been in product businesses since. And so I, I personally just, I, I don't want to do consulting. Um, and, and like, there's nothing wrong with consulting. Tons of people do it. Like, it's just, I'm more personally suited to a product business than a client business. That's just something I know about myself okay. that I enjoy a product business more. The other thing is I also, I like I have a product business and if I start this consultancy, like that's going to distract me from this business I have that's already working and needs my attention and writing this book is already distracting me enough. And then if it leads to all of this consulting work like that, does not bode well, you know, for the future of the company. Um, and so I, so, so, so these conversations this week were really interesting because it's gotten me think of like, how can I empower consultants to use this? Like, mm -hmm. be, because I definitely see that there is space for people who would read something and then say, okay, I don't have the time to do this myself or, 
uh, I need some more help in implementing this. And, and that, and that's valid. I don't, I don't see myself as that person. Like if people email me with questions about stuff or like, Hey, like, what do you think of this email? Or, you know, like whatever, like I'm, I'm happy to reply to that. But, um, so, so I'm kind of thinking about like, how can I empower consultants and also product leaders to work with this? And, you know, so one, one thing I've talked about is like the, the frequency of a problem matters, right? And like we've talked about right. this in the, in the context of we've file upload, that. right? Have like who has a frequent need for this? It's people who are, you know, freelancers and consultants who are making lots of sites. For this, what's interesting to me about that too is that the consultants and product leaders, they're the ones who have a more frequent need for this. Like a developer starting their own company, they only need to buy this book once. But a product leader who is training their team on how to interview and they might need to buy the book for their whole team and then they change companies in a year and a half, they're going to need they're going to need another book to recommend to that new team or consultants are always working with new clients. And so people like that have a recurring need for a book like this. So, right. Which for a book that has going to have a marketing budget of zero, um, it is going to be helpful to have that kind of you know, rely on those sort of existing behaviors and, and and ways of spreading the book. So I don't really know how that's going to come together, but it's definitely interesting and just, you know, goes to show how talking to customers leads to business opportunities that you never realized were there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because as a developer, as a consultant developer, the joke is kind of like you should write a book so you get higher value consulting, right? Because it gives you, you know, domain expertise. You're like, oh, I wrote a whole book on this. And so you get higher value consulting. So that's why I was kind of surprised when I saw your tweet, because I would think the the book gives you so much clout that like you could almost name your price going in as a expert in this field. Yeah. And I I think it's confusing to people that I don't want to to do that. I I think it's confusing to people. I think it's just because <laughs> generally speaking, I think it's just confusing because you're not optimizing for money. Yeah, like, this that's is the totally truth, right? a labor of love. This, confuse, <laughs> this confuses people. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm okay so, with that. Right. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I'm, I'm curious too how it has been balancing. I mean, if you did 17 customers inter- interviews in a week, you clearly don't have time to do anything else. Um, are you feeling like this is taking away from Geocodio? Are you guys like it's been fine? Like how's that been impacting you? Um, I think it's it's actually been been fine. Like I I did still do um, a lot of Geocodio week. Like you know, especially like so I'm having calls with people all over the world, and so you know, a couple of those calls have been at 8 a.m. Like if I'm talking to India or Australia, um, a bunch of them have been at 9 p.m. with the U.S. Um, and those aren't times I'm normally working. Like, let's be honest at eight o'clock in the morning when I sit down at my desk, like I'm just like reading the news and like putzing around on Twitter. Like I'm not doing anything really. So, um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and then also, um, you know, we, we, so like we got started with a, with a VA about a month, month and a half ago. Like I finally got someone from squared away and she's been so awesome. And I had her write a bunch of landing pages and, I think those landing pages were too good because like our inbound volume from um, like new customer support and like, uh, uh, you know, sort of business development or like sales inquiries, like has been really high the past two weeks. 
Um, so it's almost a good thing that I didn't like, you know, write any more landing pages or whatnot this week. Cause it's like, this is, this has been to working too much. Like we need to stop that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, but like, I can't keep doing this forever. Right. Like I can't be spending yeah. hours talking to people about my side project. Um, especially where, you know, if a call is at nine o'clock at night and, you know, sometimes goes till nine thirty or 10, like I'm, I'm tired. I'm not getting time to yeah relax and that takes a toll so I have more calls next week but not nearly as many um and I'm more so focusing on writing like I'm on the third not version but like you know I've got the third draft out there um as of this morning um okay so you know it's wow that's amazing I'm getting a ton of really good feedback like I'm super grateful and like people are being honest with me and being like you know, this isn't working or like this is confusing, but also when they yeah. like stuff. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So are you still going for 50? Or are you going to decrease that number? I think I, I intentionally made that number high so that it would yeah. make people more comfortable in talking to me. Like because 50 yeah, is like so really not- high. So it was it very much creates this like like, not only do I want to talk to people, like, I need to talk to you if I'm going to get to this number. And so I will end up around 25 people. Um, and that's half of that. But I'm honestly, I'm, I'm like, I'm thrilled with that. Um, and I yeah, think that's it, an amazing. I think it says quite a lot that so many people are willing to talk to me. And then at the end, they're like, thank you so much. And I'm, and I'm like, you're the one who's giving me valuable information. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I just I have this notebook like sitting next to me on my desk right now. And I'm, it's just like full of notes. And I have so many recordings. And um, yeah, it's 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 been amazing. Awesome. How are you feeling? Like, how's your imposter syndrome with the book? Because I know you said last week you were feeling kind of the the stress and anxiety of doing this. Is this is something totally new for you? Yeah, I think uh, you know I've been able to drill in on it a little bit more, and I don't think it's imposter syndrome. I think it's it's finding a way to market this in a book that aligns with what my goals are and is done in a way that I feel comfortable with. So I don't know what those goals are, right? So right. I'm just, I'm literally just doing this because it's something that that I have needed. Um right. And 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 I think I also I have this kind of, you know, that when you're selling a product that people don't need or they don't know they need, that's very different from the product, like from how geocoding was sold. People already know that they need geocoding or they need census right. feel like they, they, they need, they know they need that. And they're just looking for something that does that with a product that people don't know they need that lends itself to a different set of marketing tactics. And quite frankly, some of those can be very scammy and making lots of promises yeah. to people and, not always delivering on them. I'm not saying that that's always how it is, but there are many examples of that. And I think that's where that reticence comes from is I have just, I'm just like allergic to anything scammy. Um, Yeah. And so I, I want to find a way to do this in a way that delivers exactly what has been promised to people or more. So 
And I think I can do that. And I think that's not necessarily about the actual tactics. That's more of how things are structured and, and how I market it. And, and, you know, to what I was saying earlier, like if I can rely on uh, existing behaviors to sell the book, like, you know, uh, product leaders recommending it to their teams, like that's right. a sale of five books. And right. that didn't require me, you know, bombarding someone with emails, getting them to buy like a package or, or, or whatnot, like, which, you know, can work, but like, I just, I don't, that just doesn't feel like me that yeah. I, like that. Is so, yeah. um, yeah, I think I, I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but I think I will find a way and actually there's a friend of ours who I've, who I've asked to like come on in a few weeks to kind of like coach me through it. Cause he wrote a book, uh, like self-published, yeah. um, a book and, um, the other, so the other thing about this is people are like, oh, well, like, what about doing a course or like a video course or like all this stuff? And I'm like, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, so yeah. that could be something that comes later. I feel like I have to get the base content out and then I can right. sort of reshape it. Like I can repackage it um, in different things, but I have to get that core product of the book out first yeah um but there there could be lots of different things and you know some people learn better over audio or video than they do reading so um so yeah there's kind of space for lots of different directions to to go with this i mean michelle it sounds like you're starting another company i know you realize I know, that I right? not do that that's just like that's the problem <laughs> exactly what it's i need to like. not do like- that like <laughs> This needs to be like a little fun thing where I feel like I'm contributing back to the world and I am, you know, compensated for the time that I have put into it. And like, you know, it's always nice if, you know, um, you know, something I think I like think about developers, how, you know, if you guys ever like lose your job or whatever, like developers can just go start consulting. Now there's more complications that it's not like it's, it's easy, but like, People recognize the skills of developers and it's an easier hill to climb to go get a client than somebody coming from the product discipline like me where, you know, like knock on wood, like, you know, I don't know, company collapses tomorrow. Like, I don't feel like I could just go out and like be like, hire me as your product consultant person. Yeah. It's kind of nebulous. Like what is a product consultant? What is their value? Exactly. But it's like, this is a very concrete skill. And so in a way it's like, and, and like I said, I I hope it never comes to this, but you know, like it's almost a professional insurance policy that like I can decide right now that I don't want to do consulting. But if it turns out that this book has done well, like I can decide five or 10 years from now that I want to. Um, right. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, like thinking about it as an insurance policy, but so who knows? Well, let's wrap up today's episode of the software social podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You can reach us on Twitter at software pod. We will talk to you next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, 
Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.